listening to The Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, hello and how are you? How you doing? How you feeling? Everything okay? Listen, um, could you do me a solid? Could you do me a favor? Could you just maybe stand a little further away? Because I'm all about the social distancing now. Maybe you ought to keep a little distance. Maybe you ought to keep a little distance from me. Maybe you ought to keep a little distance from everybody. I mean, I'm beginning to think that I might just start walking around with a giant pool noodle just taped to me with a meter on either side and just say, this is how far you have to stay back. I mean, I know we're all going to be in the lineup at the Costco for more toilet paper, but could you just, if you don't mind, step back a little bit? Must you stand quite so close? Don't stand so close to me. Not just a song by the police, but now the theme song for 2020. Lots of updates today on COVID-19. We're going to take you through what's going on all around the world and get you the straight facts. No fear. No panic. Just the reality, which is not great. Let's not sugarcoat it, because I think we need to be honest with each other. Not about necessarily the medical risks to us or our families, but rather the impact on our lives and our social lives. Breaks my heart. It's going to be tough going forward, Doug Ford. And I'm not talking about license plates that can't be seen. Right now, Doug Ford is meeting with Andrea Horvath at Queen's Park to try and update the opposition on what's going on with COVID-19 preparedness in this province. We also have a press conference later on today at 2 o'clock at Queen's Park from the Medical Officer of Health, where the Medical Officer of Health will detail a bunch of new cases that you heard about in the news. There's this at 1 o'clock today in Hamilton. There will be a press conference about the fact that Hamilton Health Sciences has now confirmed that a physician who was at the Cancer Care Center in Hamilton on March 9th has now tested positive. And this physician saw patients. The physician had just returned from the United States, has now tested positive. This from Trenton this morning. A passenger airlifted from the Diamond Princess that was docked in Oakland and moved to Trenton in quarantine. One of those passengers has now tested positive. This morning, Public Health Agency of Canada confirmed that one of our guests currently in quarantine at CFP Trenton tested positive for COVID-19. I want to assure you that we on the base have absolute confidence in our public health partners, both at the local and federal level. The medical professionals of our partner agencies who are are performing essential tasks in the care of our guests are well trained and follow strict medical protocols. That the update from Trenton, and we will take you to Trenton, a guest who is in quarantine. That's coming up later on in the program. But in terms of the cases, we have... Two new cases of travel from the United States, a man in his 30s who lives in Toronto, a woman in her 30s who's in Halton region but was treated in Hamilton, another confirmed case, a woman in her 30s in York region who recently traveled to Egypt, and a man in his 40s in Ottawa who recently traveled to Austria has been confirmed to have the virus. The question is, are we at a stage now where we have community transfer? And that will be the question for the medical officer of health, 
this afternoon at 2 o'clock, because it is increasingly looking like we have precisely that, or at least we have the recipe for that. And we have been hearing for a while that it is only a matter of time until we see community transfer in Ontario. So we shouldn't really be surprised about it. But I think what we really got to ask ourselves is what are we going to do about it? What kind of actions will be taken by authorities now that it appears we have community transfer? And I don't want to stress we haven't got that confirmed yet. We want to be clear on the facts here. The latest person in Ontario, or one of the latest, also attended the Prospectors and Developers Association in Canada convention on March 2nd and 3rd. You might have remembered that. We talked quite a bit about it. The Premier was there. The Prime Minister was there. So there was a person at that conference who had COVID-19. Now, a spokesperson for the Premier's office says the Premier's fine. Everything's all good. No problem. Nothing to see here. But it gives you a sense of how quickly this is changing. And there are more calls from various groups now to say that Ontario needs to adopt what other jurisdictions have already done, and that's ban large gatherings. We're expecting the mayor of Seattle to make an announcement today basically doing that. All sporting events, everything in the area of Seattle, because Washington State has been hit quite bad. And then, of course, this morning the Prime Minister was announcing his $1 billion package of measures designed to help provincial health care systems deal with the outbreak. And then there is also help for workers who are forced to isolate themselves. Here's Prime Minister Trudeau this morning. We will waive the mandatory one-week waiting period for employment insurance to kick in. We're also introducing, among other things, special measures under the work-sharing program to help employers who fall on hard times due to COVID-19. And the Prime Minister said there are more measures to come as the outbreak and the news around the outbreak swiftly changes almost hour by hour. Here's a bit of reassurance from the Prime Minister. Canada is among the best prepared countries in the world to respond to the situation we're facing. We will get through what comes next together. I know if you're like me, this constant flood of news day in and day out is wearing on me. It's wearing on my ability to remain positive and be able to assess the situation correctly. And I think we need to be able to do that. We need to be able to understand what the risks are, what the realities are, and how we might have to conduct our lives. It in the short term, especially, I'm looking at the Raptors' home game schedule. They're next scheduled to play on Saturday. Is it possible that by Saturday we may be saying, ah, large gatherings not such a good idea? I don't know if you have been to the Scotiabank Center, but try wearing a poodle, pool noodle in there. Yeah, it's not going to work out for you. There's no social distancing at a Raptors game. What about sick notes? There have been many questions for the province about whether or not it will change the policy of requiring sick notes for employees who want personal emergency leave. The Minister of Health asked about that today. Here's Christine Elliott's response in the legislature. Notes are not mandatory. They can be asked for in some circumstances by employers, but employers in Ontario right now understand that we are dealing with a very unusual set of circumstances and they're responding accordingly. Employers 
employers now have the option to require reasonable proof of, of the circumstances that entitle that employee to leave. That is what is happening right now. People are being responsible, both employees and employers. People are being responsible, but things may change. Things may change may be just, you know, the tagline for all of this. Is that whatever you believe today, you may not believe tomorrow. Whatever you expect to happen today, you may change your expectations tomorrow, perhaps even this afternoon after we get some more updates from the medical officer of health. And I come back to understanding the threat level here. Not because I want to scare you. Not because I think we should be fearful. This is not a time for fear. Thank you, Dr. Ted. It is Tedros Cabrezas, the Director General of the World Health Organization. Now is not a time for panic or for fear, but it is perhaps a time to really assess what the risk is. Because if you are only listening to those health officials that are saying risks are low, risks are low, there is some evidence that the downplaying of the contagion and the downplaying of the risks to people may be problematic. Because let me tell you, take you through a couple of things I noticed this morning. This is from the Daily Beast this morning. Republican members of Congress have heard a sober warning in a closed-door briefing on Capitol Hill. There is a good chance most people in the United States will eventually be exposed to coronavirus, according to a former official. The assessment from a former White House public health official who now works in the pharmaceutical industry did not suggest that most people will become infected or ill, rather just that most will encounter the virus. Reuters reporting from Berlin that up to 70% of the population there is likely to be infected with coronavirus that is currently spreading around the world. That according to the German Chancellor Angela Merkel. She added that since there's currently no cure, the focus has to be on slowing the spread. Quote, when the virus is out there, the population has no immunity and no therapy exists, then 60 to 70 percent of the population will be infected, she told a news conference in Berlin. The process has to be focused on not overburdening the health system by slowing the virus's spread. It's all about winning time. Then there are these sobering facts from The Atlantic. The first fact is that at least in the initial stages, documented cases of COVID-19 seem to increase in exponential fashion. On the 23rd of January, in China's Hubei province, which contains the city of Wuhan, there were 444 confirmed cases of COVID-19. A week later, by the 30th of January, it had almost 5,000 cases. Another week later, it had 22,000. Italy had 62 identified cases of COVID-19 on the 22nd of February. It had 888 by the 29th of February, and then on March 6th, 4,600. So you get a sense of how quickly it can spread. And we are seeing these numbers, perhaps not on the exponential grid that we've seen in places like Italy pardon me, or South Korea, but I think we need to prepare ourselves for the reality that the numbers that we're seeing today could exponentially grow, especially if we do have community spread. And if the community spread isn't here, 
it's pretty clear it's south of the border. So what's going to happen? Are we going to see schools closed? We don't have that yet, but I think we should be prepared. Are we going to see mass cancellation of travel? Do you have travel plans next week? It's March break next week. Who's going away? Hands up. Hands up if you're thinking about canceling. Hands up if you're arguing with your wife about it. I'll put a check mark in my name on the last one. Welcome back to our continuing coverage of COVID-19, a story that seems to change almost by the minute. We have reports of new cases in Ontario and Toronto's and Ontario's Medical Officer of Health will be holding a news conference today at 2 o'clock to update everyone. You might say to yourself, Alan, I see, I see them on TV almost every day. That is sort of true. They have scheduled news conferences, but not on Wednesdays. So they're not expected to talk today, and the reason that they are talking today is because we've got this big jump in cases, and and not just in terms of numbers, but also these new cases include a case of a doctor at a cancer cancer care center in Hamilton, someone who had been to a mining conference that both the Premier and the Prime Minister uh, had attended not long ago, and thousands of people were there in Toronto, and this person is uh, up in Sudbury, and now we have reports that the Laurentian University has already said, okay, you know what, no more classes, we're doing it all online. And expect more of that. There may be more to come. All of those, uh, those things are developing throughout the course of the day. We also have confirmation now from Trenton that one of the passengers that had been brought back from California after being on the cruise ship that was docked in Oakland has now confirmed for COVID-19. What, what does that mean for the passengers that were airlifted and brought to Trenton? Ed Possumus is in quarantine at CFB Trenton after being on that cruise ship. He has joined me before on the program, and I'm pleased to welcome him back. Hi, Ed. Hello, Dave. How are you this afternoon? I'm, I'm all right. How did you find out the news that uh, someone had tested positive for covid they slipped a memo under our door about 10 o'clock this morning, and I'm actually glad to report we probably found out before you did. So, Well, that's good news, because in many cases in the past, especially in other cruise ship situations, it had been the media that was breaking the news. So you found out a piece of paper comes under the door. What was your reaction? Um, not, I don't think either the wife and I were completely surprised by that. Um, it, we were in a, an environment where the virus can be passed quite easily, and yeah, neither of us were shocked. So this would have been person, someone that would have been on the cruise, and, and you've talked before about how that cruise ship was essentially a floating city, so you don't see a lot of people, but then that person also would have been on the flight that you were on from Oakland to Trenton, correct? Correct. And do you have yeah. a, I'm not asking you for a name, but do you have a sense who this would be? Would you have been able to identify someone who was sick on that flight? No, no, that he... No, there was 200-plus-odd 200 200 odd people on that flight, and no, we, I wouldn't be able to see who exactly it was. And, and what does this piece of paper that has come under the door advise you about your health? Um, they basically say to keep, the, keep doing the protocols we've been doing. So when we're out in public, we will wear a mask. We wash our hands pretty regularly after we've been out. And just the normal sort of things that uh, that the health department and the health agencies are advising everyone else to do. 
Ed, have they restricted any kind of your movement or your ability to go outside or anything like no. that? No, they have left. They've left everything else as is. But the they have said that the person who has tested positive has been confined to their room. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. You know, I think about myself and my wife. All we talk about is COVID nineteen, and we just consume the news. You know, just and I think everybody's sort of doing that. And I'm wondering how you are doing in terms of quarantine. Do you shut it off? Do you just turn off the news and you know stop paying attention? No, I, I both the wife and I. Are, I would consider us news consumers on a regular basis, and I have my website that I check and. Obviously, now I'm checking the global news website way more often than I used to. But uh, no, we're regular consumers of the news, and I um, want to find out more information as it comes out. I mean, there is some good news that's come out about this virus lately too, in that it's uh, it seems to be a droplet-contained virus, so the the protocols that are required are a little less strenuous than stuff that's airborne. So I don't know what else to say about it other than that. You have uh, family in Calgary. You're, you're from Calgary, correct? Yes, I am actually from Calgary. Most of my family is actually in Ontario. And how are you keeping in touch with family, you know, outside of the quarantine? Um, WhatsApp and telephone calls. It's the, no, sort of the normal thing for uh, if you're separated by distance. And have have officials provided you any kind of technology to be able to do that, or are you just using the devices that you had? Yeah, we're just using the devices they have. They provided a great internet for us. The internet here is actually really good, quite pleased with it. But... Uh, yeah, no, it's just our normal uh, normal stuff that we care that everybody carries with them everywhere. I have an iPad and a phone with me, and has her laptop, and, or not her laptop, or her Surface and phone with her, and we're using those pieces of equipment, and they provided us with an internet here to use. And, and what are you and your wife doing to take your mind off what must be some sort of soul-crushing boredom? I, you know, you'd, you'd think it would be that soul-crushing, but, I mean, you start to get into a routine of things, and you make jokes about, okay, let's make the bed now, and you bed is as neatly made as it's ever been in years. <laughs> <laughs> you got the hospital folds down in the corner, you can bounce a quarter off of it. Absolutely, and then we're planning, look, we'll go do some laundry and go do, go take a walk. I mean, yeah, you, you occupy your days, and... I mean, having the internet, I would hate to think what this would have been like 20 years ago when nobody, when you didn't have an internet and you had to carry a pack of books with you to keep yourself occupied. But I'm sure later this afternoon we're going to break out a board game and we will have some rousing board games between the two of us and, and a little taunting, a little fun to go with that. Well, that sounds uh, that sounds great. Well, I, I'm sorry to hear about a confirmed case, but uh, again, you know, keeping all of the facts that we know uh, in mind, you know, the, the vast majority of people, the cases are mild. And, it, you know, now that you are under quarantine, you know, hopefully that means that there is no further spread amongst all of the uh, passengers that flew back from Trenton. Well, that's, yeah, and that's exactly what we feel, too. Is this person has now been, uh, been found out is not the right way to say it. This person um, has been diagnosed and has been now confined to their room, and, and hopefully the rest of us will, uh, will be clear. All right, Ed, Ed Postumus, who's in quarantine in Trenton, thank you very much. Appreciate you being on the line, and we'll check in with you over the next couple of days. Sounds good. All right, I have breaking news for you, and it is not good. This is from the World Health Organization, has now just declared coronavirus to be a pandemic. We have rung the alarm bell loud and clear, says the World Health Organization, 
which once again now has declared COVID-19 to be a worldwide pandemic. Global pandemic. We have talked so much about global pandemic, and we've talked about what that means. And, you know, WHO had previously said, you know, it's not helpful to say that out loud, that that means that we wouldn't be able to contain it. But it it is pretty clear over the past couple of days, as we've heard from Dr. Tedros Ghebreyesus time and time again, that the window for containment was closing. And it appears it has closed. It has shut. Containment is now not really an issue. And now we move to mitigation. And mitigation is all about social distancing. And that is going to mean cancellation of large events. And I think it is only a matter of time here in Ontario before we start seeing more cancellations. And how long will it be before schools are canceled outright? Of course, we got March break next week. Most kids not going to be in school, so we have some time there. But will school come back after that? Those are questions we're going to continue to look into. Again, breaking news. The World Health Organization declaring COVID-19 a pandemic. Welcome back to the program. In breaking news from the World Health Organization, quote, we have made the assessment that COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Here is Dr. Tedros Cabrasis of the World Health Organization. WHO has been assessing this outbreak around the clock, and we're deeply concerned both by the alarming levels of spread and severity and by the alarming levels of inaction. We have therefore made the assessment that COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Pandemic is not a word to use lightly or carelessly. It's a word that if misused can cause unreasonable fear or unjustified acceptance that the fight is over, leading to unnecessary suffering and death. That is Dr. Tedros Ghebreyesus just in the last few minutes making the announcement that the World Health Organization has declared COVID-19 a pandemic. I want to read from more of the tweets from the World Health Organization tweeting that, quote, we have never before seen a pandemic sparked by a coronavirus, and we never have before seen a pandemic that can be controlled at the same time. The WHO has been in full response mode since we were notified of the first cases. We have called every day for countries to take urgent and aggressive action. We have rung the alarm bell loud and clear. And you heard the doctor there talking about inaction, and there will be questions, especially south of the border, as the number of cases there continue to spike. Have the Americans taken the necessary precautions? There will also be questions for our leaders now. We heard the Prime Minister this morning talking about, no, they're not talking about cancellation of events, they're not talking about closing borders, anything like that at this point. But now that it is a worldwide pandemic, and as you heard Dr. Tedros saying, we don't use that term lightly. 
You have to be careful how we use it. I know over the last weeks and months I've been making worldwide pandemic jokes and talking about zombie movies, and I think obviously it's time now for, you know, for some very serious assessment of what the risks really are. And I take this, I want to take this, this is one I just spotted here. This is, from again, from Dr. Tedros, who says, quote, This is not just a public health crisis. It is a crisis that will touch every sector. So every sector and every individual must be involved in the fight. And that gives you a sense of how serious and how far-reaching this is going to be. It is going to impact you in your life. You may not come in contact with coronavirus. No one you know may come in contact with coronavirus, although some of the announcements this morning, as we've heard from Germany's chancellor, saying that in that country they expect 70% of the population to be exposed. So the very strong possibility there that you may know someone who gets it. Now, the mortality rate remains low. But if you believe that it's less than the flu, that is not true. It is a serious issue, and it is going to impact our public health and how we go about our day-to-day business. The number one concern now, the number one concern now going forward is that our medical system is not overwhelmed. And coming up in about 20 minutes, we're going to get an update from Hamilton where we now know that a doctor who was at a cancer care center after returning from the United States has tested positive for COVID-19. That doctor saw patients, interacted with other physicians. We have no confirmation of community spread there. But obviously that's concerning, and we have to be concerned that if this gets into the medical system and we overload our medical system, then where are we? Because that's the situation that they're facing in northern Italy. And so we have to ask ourselves, how do we remain, A, safe, and B, calm? I think we're going to be looking at mass cancellations. I think that's going to happen in the next couple of days. I don't think there's any way around it. We've already seen in New York State some areas having, uh, you know, gatherings canceled. In Washington State, we're expecting the same kind of announcement today. And again, this is changing very quickly and will continue to change throughout the course of the day. Welcome back to the program. I'm going to get you updated on COVID-19 that has now been declared a worldwide pandemic and some details on that from around the world. Also talk about whether or not your phone possibly is a problem. I mean, you might not want to be too close to anybody else, but if you touch things and then touch your phone and then hold your phone up to your face, is that a bad idea? I'll try and get some details and some facts on that and get through the fear. But I want to talk about Harvey Weinstein, who was sentenced today to 23 years in prison for rape and sexual assault. Weinstein, who had been accused of violating scores of women, was convicted last month. He faced a maximum of 29 years in prison, but 23 years is the sentence that he got. And his lawyer reacted outside of court. Donna Rotono has been a divisive figure throughout this trial. But here's what she had to say about Harvey Weinstein's reaction, and she characterized the 23-year sentence this way. 
There are murderers who will get out of court faster than Harvey Weinstein will. Uh, that number spoke to the pressure of movements and the public. That number did not speak to the evidence that came out at trial. That number did not speak to the testimony that we heard. That number did not speak to evidence, nor did it speak to justice. I am um, overcome with anger at that number. I think that number is a uh, cowardly number to give. I think the judge caved, just as I believe the jury caved, and I am not happy. That is Harvey Weinstein's lawyer, Donna Rotunna, reacting to a 23-year sentence for her client. She will appeal. I think there are going to be many questions about that number. I think a lot of people are thrilled to see it, but others may be asking themselves, is it appropriate, considering what the lawyer said there, that murderers serve less time and would be out sooner? There will be a lot of discussion about that. I want to read this tweet from Ronan Farrow, the journalist who essentially broke this case and kicked off the Me Too movement. Ronan Farrow writing, Today's outcome in Harvey Weinstein's New York trial is the result of the decisions of multiple women to come forward to journalists and to prosecutors at great personal cost and risk. Please keep those women in your thoughts today. Let's get back to COVID-19, which is, of course, the major story around the world today. I'm going to take you uh, around the world a couple of updates. The director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in the United States has told lawmakers there the new coronavirus is 10 times more deadly than the seasonal flu. Britain has announced a $39 billion stimulus package hours after the Bank of Canada cut interest rates. UK cases have jumped 22% to 456 earlier today. Justin Trudeau announced a $2 billion package here in Canada. New York has reported 20 more cases. The state will now ask businesses to consider staggering shifts and allowing employees to work from home. That according to the governor there. In Kuala Lumpur, Malaysian authorities are tracking about 5,000 citizens across the country believed to have been potentially exposed to the coronavirus at a religious event. Italy's government is considering the imposition of even tighter restrictions in the country's most coronavirus-affected areas, including closing shops except for supermarkets and pharmacies. In Mumbai, India has ramped up travel restrictions and closed a border with neighboring Myanmar to counter the coronavirus outbreak. Celine Dion has postponed two U.S. concert dates on her ongoing Courage World Tour after she fell ill earlier this week. She has confirmed that she's simply come down with a common cold. She has tested positive for coronavirus disease. Those are some of the updates from around the world. Let's get to here and your actions and social distancing. Because more and more we are hearing that social distancing is now going to be the major mitigation factor going forward. If we have gone past containment, and that appears to be what the World Health Organization is saying with its declaration that this is a global pandemic, So if we have moved past containment to mitigation, the major way to mitigate exposure to COVID-19 and coronavirus is social distancing. Keep your distance. Maybe you ought to keep a little distance. Could you keep a little distance from me, please? Would you just stand back? Would you just, would you just sting it? Must you stand quite so close? And don't stand so close to me? Could you do that? 
Megan Cauley is a global news online journalist who has been writing extensively about COVID-19 and coronavirus and joins me in studio, but a comfortable distance from me. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Let's begin with this, the cell phone. You've written about this. Is my cell phone a possible risk factor for COVID-19? The short answer is yes. What? Our cell phones are filthy. Well, talk about your own cell phone, little lady. I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure all our cell phones are pretty gross. Um, apparently, uh, we use our cell phones for an average of two hours a day. I don't know about you, but for me, that's probably closer to like four hours. Um, but if you think about it, like I can't remember the last time I cleaned my phone. Can you? I don't know. I've never cleaned my phone. So that's a thing we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> And that is something that health officials are advising, uh, especially during the coronavirus outbreak, because what we know about coronavirus is that it can live on some surfaces for anywhere from two hours to up to nine days right now is the estimation. Depends on what kind of surface and what kind of environment uh, the surface is in. But the hard surface of your phone, technically the germs, you know, if somebody coughs near you or sneezes near you and they have coronavirus and it lands on your phone, technically that could live on your phone surface for up to, you know, a couple hours to even a couple days. That's pretty concerning. Also concerning is Shiba Siddiqui just uh, broke in here with a bit of information. I said something incorrect. You need to correct from correct me. You had said that Celine Dion tested positive. Did for, I? Yes, she's actually tested negative. That's what I meant to say. I wouldn't want Celine Dion fans to be my panicked heart, right now. My heart will go on. All right. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize for that. I apologize for anything else that I have said inappropriately over the course of the last hour. I'm certain there are some things. Uh, Megan, back back to you. So what does that mean, then, if our phones are indeed filthy? So right now, the advice from public health officials is to just keep washing your hands, keep using hand sanitizer for those times when you can't get to a sink with soap and water. Um, We are recommending, you know, per advice from experts we spoke to, that you are also cleaning your phone regularly. So once a day, maybe when you get home, you're taking something like a a Clorox wipe or a Lysol wipe, and you're just wiping down the surfaces that you touch. Because if you think about it, let's say we're on public transit, you're touching the pole, you have your phone in one hand, you're scrolling through the news, you switch hands. Now the hand that was on the pole is on your phone. You know, your phone is always with you and it's always around. We're obsessively washing our hands, but not our phones. That, that is great advice and something that I had not thought of at all. When, when we talk about social distancing, I guess at this point, well, we're just sort of beginning this. I mean, how is this going to impact you know, just how we conduct our day-to-day lives. I don't think we really have a grasp on that yet. No, I don't think we do. And, uh, you know, in Canada, I think we're lucky because the individual risk is still relatively low compared to other places around the world. Um, But one thing we are seeing, especially in workplaces, for example, is moving meetings to offline, you know, keeping people out of the office working remotely. If it doesn't need to be, you know, if it's not so important that you all need to be in a conference room sitting a couple feet away from each other, then maybe conduct that meeting online or or on a call. I noticed Um, that Shopify just this morning announcing that all of its business will be now conducted from home. All of its employees are at home. Laurentian University saying that it'll conduct all classes remotely, no more classes in school. So we're seeing that impact. Totally. And I think it will be especially difficult in a city like Toronto if you consider, you know, the subway at rush hour, For as an example. It's pretty difficult to keep two feet between you and the person next to you. So I think if you are feeling sick, especially if you're somebody who has symptoms, um, you should be 
trying to avoid those spaces. Okay, talk to me about symptoms here because, you know, you, you can be pretty clear that what you have is, not, like, I am not sick with COVID, but maybe I have a head cold. I have the sniffles. You know, if you sneeze in public now, people look at you and run the other way. So how do you deal with that? So I think this is difficult. You know, one thing we've been talking about a lot in our reporting is the importance of good practicing good hygiene year round, regardless of whether or not there's an outbreak, um, especially during flu season. That is something that we have every year. We're just, you know, sort of slowly exiting it now. But I think if you are somebody who's suffering from a cough or a, a sneeze or, um, you know, runny nose, that even if it's not COVID-19, that you should be practicing those good hygiene tips. So coughing, sneezing into your elbow, just being respectful of the people around you. Like go to work? Well, so, I mean, you know, it depends on your workplace, I would say. Public health officials are urging uh, employers to be flexible with this. So if you if your job is something that's able to be done remotely, then they're advising that that is what you do. All right. And last, uh, let's turn to travel because a lot of people, and uh, Sheba, I know I want to get you here because you're planning to go traveling next week. I have a trip to Switzerland coming up, which I may or may not be able to go on. Uh, what's the latest, Megan, on advisories and whether or not you should actually be traveling? So this... You know, there are uh, advisories coming down from public health officials right now for certain places in the world where you absolutely should not be going. And in fact, they are canceling flights to those places. Yeah, you're talking Italy, Korea, Iran, so on. You know, exactly, you know, those where they're struggling with massive outbreaks of confirmed cases. Okay, um, Sheba, aren't you going to Mexico next week? No, not next week. I'm going in a few weeks. We're supposed to be going to Barbados. Oh, Barbados. Yes. Okay. And what do you think about the possibility of that trip happening? <laughs> You know what? Up until this morning, I'm gung-ho about going, but as every day goes on, we get all this new information, I'm getting more and more anxious about it. And I think there's a lot of people out there that anxiety, and, and you have to kind of tamp that down with reality, don't you, Megan? We do. I had this amazing interview with this one expert um, in public health policy, and he was saying that in some circumstances, the our reaction to the virus can be worse than the virus itself. So I think, especially in Canada, if we consider, and I've been telling everybody this because I get a lot of questions about it, if you consider that Canada right now is really the gold standard in terms of testing, screening, um, self-isolation. We are really setting the the standard for the rest of the world. Everybody's looking at what we're doing and trying to follow suit. Um, if you consider that and how low the individual risk still is relative to the rest of the world being here in Canada, I think uh, we all need to just remain calm and do what we can, our individual part to, to keep practicing that good hygiene. But it, I, I think, you know, for a lot of us who are considering that, you know, is part of that personal responsibility not traveling? I think if you're sick, yes. If you are, if you have any symptoms, then it's, I think that, you know, that's, again, that's my personal opinion, just based on the, the advice I've been given by public health officials. But I think if you are exhibiting symptoms, you have a responsibility to protect those people in our society who don't have the immune system to, to withstand something like a, a COVID-19. Megan Colley, a Global News online journalist. Appreciate your work. Appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Sheba. As always, appreciate you being here. You want to give me a percentage on whether or not you're going, I'm going snowboarding in Switzerland today? I'm sticking to 55. 55? Same yes. 55% it's, that I'm going. It's, it's, uh, it's fine to go there. It's not on any list, right? No, it's not on any list so right go. now, but it is. it does border Italy, right? It's on the border of northern Italy, and I'll tell you, there was a heated discussion in my house last night, because I'm, I'm with you. It's like, okay, if there's no warning, I'm going. And my wife looked at me and said, I don't think you're going anywhere, pal. Uh, not with me, at least. Well, like Megan said, just don't get sick leading up to that trip. Easy. Easy. 
Easy. But at his age. Okay. (laughs) All right. I need you to stand a little further back. If you don't mind a little more social distancing from you, Siddiqui. Thank you. Maybe you ought to keep a little distance. Keep a little distance. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you being with me.